All right. Well, welcome, everyone. Glad you're here. Uh, if you notice the board, we're going to continue in the life of Jesus. Um, we're going to be tracking on this for a while. Now we're in the Gospel of John, however. We haven't been in John for a while. And this morning, uh, we're going to transition to an entire chapter uh, of John's Gospel because it's one contained story. Uh, so, obviously, we won't be able to drill down as much because we want to make sure we get the entire narrative. Let me set the stage for you. Um, we, when we left off last week, uh, we, we left off having heard about, uh, when we heard you know, Peter's uh, confession, and, and then, well, actually, what was last week's? That wasn't last week. The transfiguration. How do you forget that? Yeah, I don't know. How does one forget that? Yeah, just, I was transfigured. Uh, um, and on the heels of that, we have the transfiguration. Remember, all this was taking place uh, in the north, in Galilee, and even beyond. And what we're going to see now is that uh, in John's gospel, it's only in John that we get the, that Jesus actually does visit Jerusalem several times. And it's after the transfiguration that he then travels to Jerusalem in the fall for a festival, and it's the Festival of Booths or Tabernacles. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a week-long festival, and he ends up in the temple precinct in Jerusalem, and it's there that uh, we read in chapters uh, 7 and 8 of John's Gospel that there's a lot of confrontation. Uh, in a previous visit to Jerusalem, that's recorded in John 5, he healed a man on the Sabbath that really got the, the Pharisees and everybody up in arms because he was doing this on the Sabbath. And we've seen this before in the Galilean ministry as well. And then, but this is continued. That's why we, when we read in the other Gospels that we have uh, leaders from Jerusalem always coming out to Jesus in Galilee. It's because, because of these events that had happened in Jerusalem, and now they're they're still trying to trick him. Now he's in Jerusalem and in the temple and teaching. He has, he has claimed that uh, he is the living water and that he is uh, the light of, of the world, that he's done these things and he has declared that uh, before Abraham was, I am. And there's been a lot of, 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 of tension. There's been a lot of argument. There's been people at the end of chapter 8, they were ready to kill him, to stone him. So it's Things are really coming to a head. And we're still, we're about eight months away from what we would call the Passion Week in the life of Jesus. So this is sort of the fall uh, of the year previous to his crucifixion. So at this festival. And all of this, is, it's, it's at the end of the week. All of this has, has taken place. It's at a, it's at a, it's a heightened, it's at a heightened um, tension where he's declared himself the light of the world. And, and, and look at look in, uh, the, uh, chapter 8, the last couple of verses. It says, Truly before I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. Therefore they picked up stones to throw at him. Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. And it's on the heels of this that we get this now, this story of a man born blind who is healed. Uh, many would see this as an enacted parable, if you want to think of it that way. It's a historic account. There's a real man who was born blind, and we're going to get into the story itself. But 
A lot of people have, have seen in this story sort of a, uh, uh, an illustration of, of people, of anybody coming to Christ. We'll, we'll look at that, but we really want to look at the actual historic story as well. The outline you see of chapter 9, I made just two big chunks. Uh, literal blindness is healed in verses 1 through 12. And then, through the subsequent consequence and ramifications of that, we'll read the, the, the real bulk of the story in verses 13 to 41. And we're going to see that spiritual blindness, especially of the Pharisees, is revealed. The story is going to start with people wondering about why this man is blind. Why was he born blind? And then the, it's going to end with what the real blindness is. The story's going to take a complete turn. It's not the literal blindness about which they should be concerned. It's the fact that they think they can see, and they don't. They, meaning the Pharisees, the religious leaders, are the ones who are blind. So it's going to completely flip as we go, which is, which is a fun, it's kind of a fun narrative. There's some, uh, there's some humor in it. There's some, you know, real life, you know, how people are stuff in this story. All right, so what we'll do is we'll read the first chunk, verses 1 through 12, and get the intro to the story. And as always, Jay, you can start us off. You ready? I'm ready. All right. All right. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned this man of his parent or his parents? Why that he was born blind? Rather this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that he that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming, but no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After, say, after saying this, he spit upon the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it in the, on, on the man's eye. Go, he told him. Wash in the pool of Siloam. This word, word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing once again. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging, asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed it was. He was. Others said, oh, oh, he only looks like him. But, then, but he himself insisted, I am, that, I am the man. How then were your eyes open, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud, put it on my, on my eye, he told me to go to Shalom and watch. So I went and washed, and then I could see, I could see, what, where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. The Pharisees investigate the hearing. Okay, thank you, sir. Good job. So they didn't have optometrists then. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So you, you notice he's, he's left the temple. We don't know if this is the same day or, uh, you, know, if, you know, maybe not. He, he said he went in hiding, right? Uh, that Jesus had to hide himself, and of course that is to prevent a premature, uh, any sort of premature rest uh, in his mission as Messiah. Uh, so probably you know a little bit later, not just right on the heels of that. Um, 
that he, is, he sees this man who is born blind, a beggar, because that's all they could do. That's, they had to depend upon the largesse of others uh, because there was no work for him. And notice the, the uh, disciples, his disciples see it as a theological puzzle. Jesus sees a man in need. They see a puzzle. They want to know, now what, he's born blind. Now, who sinned? Did he sin? Did his parents sin? And, the, and Jesus says, you're asking the wrong question. Um, of course, that would have been a theological thing, and it still is. If you look at the book of Job, right, uh, you know, you know we, we look, our sense of fairness wants to understand why this has happened. And even rabbinic literature said that as an embryo, as a, as a fetus, as an embryo, the baby could sin. And they used Jacob as, as an example of that, trying to kill Esau in the womb is, what they, is how they taught. So it could be his sin, his parents' sin. What is it? And Jesus says, you're asking the wrong question. He says, you're looking at, you're trying to figure out why he's this way, whereas I'm looking at him to tell you he's part of why I came. He's why we're here. Notice, he says, uh, it was neither that, that that man said nor his parents. It was in order the works of God might be displayed in him. We've got to work to do the works of him who sent me as long as it's day. Night is coming. This seems to be a reference to what he knows is coming in his own life. So we have to do this. I've already declared I'm the light of the world. Now I'm going to show you. And in, he shows them in both a physical and spiritual way. This man who is in physical darkness is going to receive physical light. And, of course, spiritual enlightenment as well. And we're going to see as well that there's going to be some darkness revealed. So then he does something rather strange, and I can't give you a full explanation of it. And he's done this before with his spittle uh, in healing. So to take spit and make clay out of the out of the dirt, make mud. By the way, that's what gets him in trouble because he does this on the Sabbath, we're told later. So he's working, he's kneading. Oh boy. So he's actually breaking the law uh, and then puts it on the man's eyes and tells him to go wash. Now part of it is to elicit obedience in the man, to be able to tell him to do something immediately. Notice we're not told that the man says, well, what do you mean, why are you, go, go wash. And he does. In other words, there, there is an obedience to Jesus' call. Are you seeing this? Calling from darkness. He calls us from darkness into light, and we must respond in obedience. And he does. Some have seen, perhaps, that because Jesus is inaugurating the new creation, and this man was created, in this sense, blind, and we are of the dust of the earth, the clay of the earth, that there's some symbolic nature of, of this new creation, the new clay receiving sight. That's all speculation, though. But he does go to this pool, uh, which Siloam means sent. It's from a Hebrew derivative. And the water was indeed sent through a tunnel, uh, Hezekiah's tunnel, to bring water from outside into the city in case they were besieged. And it's still there. And that water does indeed, is indeed sent. It also, people would say that harkens also to the coming Holy Spirit being sent. And, of course, a reference to baptism. There's, there's all of these these layers, but the actual historical account is his obedience. And he goes and washes, and boom, he can see. And of course, the change is so great that it causes a stir among his neighbors. 
He doesn't actually come back to Jesus. We're not told that he returns to Jesus. In fact, he, he doesn't know what Jesus looks like. He couldn't, right? Uh, but now that he can see, he doesn't know. But it, it causes a stir with his neighbors and everyone because you see they have differing opinions. This, is the, is, this can't be him. No, he just looks like him. Can't be him because he can see. And he's been blind from birth. And he's like, no, it's me. Really, it's me. And then they question him. And he gives a very matter-of-fact account. He says, uh, well, it's the man called Jesus made clay, anointed my eyes, and said, go wash in, go wash in the pool of Siloam. I went, I washed, and I received sight. Wow, that's a witness. Yes, sir. Is this where the uh, modern phrase that we use uh, is derived from when someone says, here's button drive? You know, I don't know that. Hmm. No, I really don't. Here's mud in your eye. Your, your job is to look that up. And then they said, where is he? I don't know. So probably the next day, they are going to take him to see the Pharisees. They could, it could just be an informal group of Pharisees they know that are around, or it could be part of the Sanhedrin meeting. We're not given that instruction. But either way, they're going to take him now to these people who are saying, this Jesus guy cannot be the Messiah. They have to make sense of the fact that their neighbor can now see, and it was this Jesus guy that did it. And all they've been hearing is, not only is he not the Messiah, if you claim that he is the Messiah, we're going to kick you out of the synagogue. We're going to church you. You're, you're no longer part of our fellowship, which of course would be a big deal. So that's all out there. So naturally, come on, let's come with us. We're going to go see the Pharisees. Not that they're necessarily looking just for a lot of wisdom. It's more of, you're saying this guy can't be the Messiah. Look what happened. How do you explain this? And different from other lessons, I'm going to kind of, I'm going to read um, and, and, and comment as we go. So they brought, and by the way, we're now in, of course, the second part, part two of our outline. They brought to the Pharisees him who was formerly blind. We don't have a name. That's just him who was formerly blind. Now, it was the Sabbath on the day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. See, there you go. So there is, he's a lawbreaker. Jesus is a lawbreaker. Again, therefore, the Pharisees also were asking him how he received his sight. And he said to them, look, he applied clay to my eyes, I washed, and now I see. So some of the Pharisees were saying, well, this man isn't from God. He does not keep the Sabbath. That's what we mean by sinner here. He's broken the Sabbath law. So the, the syllogism is, you know, those who are of God don't break the law. Jesus broke the law, so he can't be from God. Okay, that's, that's kind of the argument that they're using. But others, meaning others, parts of Pharisees, well, how can a man who's a sinner perform such signs? So there was a division among them. So they said to the blind man, again, all right, what do you say about him? He opened your eyes. I mean, you were there. What do you think? And he said, well, he's a prophet. And we're going to see, um, as we go along, we're going to see a progression in the man's confession of who Jesus is. At first, all he knows is that he is Jesus. A man named Jesus did this. 
Where is he? I don't know. Now he's before the Pharisees. Well, who do you think he is? This harkens back, of course, to Jesus asking his disciples, who do people say that I am? And one of their answers was, well, some say you're a prophet. Well, this man says, well, he's a prophet. Meaning he's doing miraculous signs in the name of God. So that's what prophets do. The Jews didn't believe it of him. Well, the fact that he'd been born blind and that he'd received sight until they called the parents of the very one who received his sight. So inner mom and dad. So maybe we can get around this. The Pharisees are thinking, this guy, there's no way he was born blind. Now maybe they're willing to concede some sort of miracle, but this, no. So they bring the parents in. Now remember what the parents know. They know that their son, that this is their son, he was born blind, now he sees, and they also know that the Pharisees are going to kick anyone out of, out of fellowship who declares that this Jesus guy is indeed the Christ, the Messiah. So they're coming in, they know they're being set up, if you want to think of it that way. So is this your son who you say was born blind? So how does he now see? How did this happen? His parents answered him and said, well, we know this is our son and that he was born blind, but how he sees we don't know or who opened his eyes we don't know. Ask him, he's of age, he'll speak for himself. He's a big boy, let him talk. And you're thinking, didn't they just lie? Yes, they did. They know exactly. Their son has told me, he's told everybody numerous times what has happened, and then it's Jesus. They're just kind of throwing him under the bus, if you want to think of it that way, out of fear. In fact, John gives us a little commentary. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. The Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess him to be Christ, He'd be put out of the synagogue. And it's for this reason his parents says, well, he's of age, you ask him. So you see, now the Pharisees can't use the parents as a weapon to say, well, he wasn't born blind. So what are they going to do next? Well, let's get the man back in here. Get him back. So he comes back. So a second time, verse 24, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. Now here they're saying, okay, they're kind of admitting, all right, you've gotten your sight. Then give glory to God for this. Not, don't give glory to this Jesus guy, this man. He's a sinner. He's broken the Sabbath, the law. We know he can't be this guy. So if this has happened, go ahead and give God the glory. Now the irony is that's lost on them, which is however we get it, that's why it's irony, is that by not backing down and by saying, no, it was Jesus, he is giving glory to God. He's doing exactly what the Pharisees told him to do. But they're thinking it's by, by not believing that Jesus did this that we give glory to God, whereas he, 
recognizes. Well, he, we don't know if he recognizes, but he's not going to back down. He just knows what's happened. And we're going to find he's kind of, kind of fiery, too. He's, you know, you spend all those years begging. I guess you learn street smarts. And uh, he kind of gives it back to him. So let's see what happens. Verse 25. So he answered. Now, whether he's a sinner, I don't know. One thing I do know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. There's that. I think you've probably heard that before somewhere. And here it is. I don't know, but I was blind, but now I see. Uh, and you can kind of, without me bringing up anything, I think you can see how people have seen this as an enacted parable of all of us being born blind, coming to light. We were blind, but now I see. He's talking literally. We, of course, use the same phrase spiritually. And you see how that, that these overlap here. But this was a literal event from which we take these spiritual lessons that have come, that come with it. And now they ask him again, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? How, how, did, this, how did he do it? And he answered, like I told you already, <laughs> and you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? You don't want to become his disciples too, do you? Oh, ouch. So there you go. Uh, Oh, you want to be his disciples too? Is that what? In other words, and, and that's not lost on them. I mean, this guy's got new sight and a new backbone or something. He's, he's right there. In other words, he's not going to back down from what he knows has happened in a very literal sense to him. So they reviled him and said, You are his disciple. That's, you're the disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we don't even know where he is from. We don't, we don't know his origin or his authority. We don't know where he's coming from. This is kind of the gist. that We don't know where this guy's coming from in his teaching. Although earlier he had already told them that Moses was looking forward to him, uh, that all this was looking to him. So there, of course, you see the divide here. Well, here's the, here's the man's answer. It's great. This is a good one, too. Well, here's, an, here's something. Isn't this something? Here's an amazing thing. So he's in front of it. Well, this is something. You don't know where he's coming from, but he opened my eyes. In other words, you, you're saying, I don't know where this guy's getting off this Jesus guy, where he's getting off doing these things. But here I am, and I can see. And that doesn't come across probably in the, uh, in the podcast, what I just did. So, uh, anyway, uh, so sorry, you people who are just listening. Um, and here he uses his own logic. Remember, they're saying, they're saying, look, this guy's a sinner, can't be from God, God can't do this through him. This, this guy can't be. Well, he, he takes the logic and runs with it. He's no dummy. He now says, well, We know that God doesn't hear these sinners, but if anyone is God-fearing, does his will, he hears them. In other words, it seems to me, though, the opposite should be true. He's saying, If this has happened, 
And this man did this. Don't you think maybe he's in good? That's kind of what he's saying. And then he, to drive it home, he says, um, well, where am I? Okay. Since the beginning of time, it's never been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. So, this man worked for God. He could, he could do nothing. But here I stand. So, not only is he now, he's, notice he's, he's not just bold in his witness as far as what's happened to him. He's now become an apologist. He's now, he's now actually debating the merits of Jesus, not knowing fully yet who he is. The person with an experience is never at the mercy of a person with just an argument. Good. Notice how I repeated that so they could hear that. It took me months, but I did it. All right. Well, then, notice what happens. They do what we do today. We don't have arguments anymore, as in, as in actual looking at the evidence and trying to tease it out and being civil with each other and trying to go towards the truth. They're backed in a corner, and they know it, so they do what we do today, and that is, oh yeah, well, you're, you're all, you're, and notice what they say, oh yeah? Verse 34, well, you were born entirely in sins, and you're teaching us? And so they put him out. Oh yeah, well, and, and that was it. So in other words, name calling. They go back to hearken to, well, if you're born blind, then you're born that's, that's the problem. Ha, you're a sinner too. Ha! That's their argument. Well, Jesus, having heard what had happened, seeks this man out. And this is how we're gonna, we'll wrap up. And you'll see it turn, you'll see the story come full circle. We'll see who's really blind here. And of course, it's been set up the whole way. Jesus heard that he'd been put, put out, verse 35. So he found him and said, do you believe in the Son of Man? And of course, that's his moniker for himself, the Messiah. Do you believe in this one who is coming at the right hand of God to make all things right? Do you believe? And he said, well, who is he, Lord? Sir, at this point, the Lord, that word means sir. Who is he, sir, that I, that I might believe in him? Remember, he hasn't seen Jesus. Okay? He's never seen him. And Jesus said, well... You both see him, and he's the one talking to you. Don't you recognize my voice? It's me. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Wow. So here we see not just literal sight, spiritual sight. Falls at his feet in worship. And then Jesus taking this moment, says, it's for judgment I came into this world. Other places he says it's not to judge. What he's saying here is this light is going to naturally divide. The light coming into the world is going to divide the blind and the sighted. It's just going to happen when light's in the room. He says, I came into the world that those who do not see 
may see and that those who see may become blind. It would almost, you should almost read this, those who think they've got it figured out. That those who, the religious leaders who think they know and that they see, they're the ones that the light now having come into the world will be revealed as blind. Whereas so many that they said were just the children of the earth and unlearned and they don't know, they are the ones who see. Well, those of the Pharisees who were with him heard these things. Now, I don't know what that means. Who were with him? Were they, you know, creeping around, waiting? Look, you know, were they spying? Were who knows? But they're there. They heard these things and said to him, "We're not blind too, are we? Are you calling us blind? Is that what you're saying? That we're blind?" And Jesus says, "If you were blind, meaning like this guy." Remember that at the beginning, if you had that, you would have no sin. But since you say we see, your sin remains. You see, the blindness itself was no indication of sin, but claiming to be able to see when you can't is. Uh, so Jesus divides. And here you have this revelation of spiritual darkness, of spiritual blindness in distinction from the man who has now been given real sight from the light of the world and given spiritual sight. All of us in a way are him in so many ways that we have been given this sight, we've been called, we, we stand in testimony of what has happened, we may not know everything but we have as we've heard already, the experience of having been brought from darkness into light. And what we see here is enacted what John actually said in his prologue to the book itself. Famous prologue in John 1. He actually tells us in verse 5, And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And then continuing in verse 9, there was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world didn't know him. He even came to his own, to those who were his own, and they didn't receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Those who were born not of blood or will of the flesh or the will of man but of God. And here in our lesson today, we see that borne out. And of course, this is going to continue. Uh, the Pharisees aren't going to go away. Uh, but neither is Jesus. So there's a lot, of, lot more conflict and things to come. All right. Look, we ended on time, Tom, so we don't, you don't have to get smacked again. He got in trouble. Yeah. Tom got in trouble because we were here a little too late. Oh, that's on. This is being recorded again. I keep forgetting this. Let's pray. Thanks, Father, for your word and the fact that we're able to uh, sit together in this uh, beautiful space. 
comfortable space, talk about it, learn about it, and uh, be able to put it into practice. Pray that's what we do. We don't just uh, leave it here in this room and that we, we go from here as those uh, who formerly blind now see and what we know we share. And we look forward to what you're going to do because of that. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, our King. Amen. All right, that's it. Bye, podcast people.